Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Cubits, 11 and 15 Humble's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Season always does a great job of telling everyone about the fabulous work they do at Purdy. Auto, home, life, business, boat motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll get you insured. They'll take good care of you, too. And uh, make sure you get it at the best price. And it's always great to have that kind of trust and comfort with your insurance agent. That's Purdy Insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right. So here we go. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. The longest field goal in the history of the NFL wins it indoors in Detroit. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn, and it's mayhem on the field. Gerald Sandusky with the call on the Ravens Radio Network. You know, it's interesting. It's it's no longer the longest field goal, but Tom Dempsey, who kicked the 63-yarder, I think has a record that will never be broken. And here here's what it is, or at least something that won't be broken. Last night or yesterday when Tucker hit the field goal from 66 yards, where did he kick it from? Who was from behind the 50-yard line? His own 44-yard line. Yeah. Do I have to do all the addition? <laughs> I mean, you're starting to scare me here. <laughs> so he kicked it from his own 44-yard line. Back in the day when Tom Dempsey in 1970 kicked this his 63-yarder, the goalposts were on the goal line. That means Dempsey actually kicked the ball from his own 37-yard line. I don't think that's ever, that part. I don't think is ever going to happen again. I mean, this is the longest ever, and it was from his own forty-four. Interesting. Just thought I'd throw it out there as a little tidbit for everybody. That is interesting. Yeah, just a little tidbit, a little slice of history. People don't uh, think about it. Yeah, because that's a difference of seven yards, roughly. If the yeah. when the goalpost was in the front of the on the yeah. goal line. So, in other words, if the goalposts were on the front, he would have kicked it from his own 34-yard line. Think about that. Yep. Wow. All right. Kayvon Pope. Now, we all know what happened. I think most of you, I think, know what happened. During the middle of the game between Ohio State and Akron, Pope thought he was supposed to be out there in some some pass coverage package, and they ran a different player out there for him and took him out in – and I think again, I don't know um 
you know, which player was put in, what they wanted to accomplish. I have no clue, obviously. But Pope, of course, was furious. I think we all know he was furious. And he ended up furious and leaving and going into the tunnel. And he went into the locker room, and during the game, he went on Twitter. Always a great solution to anything. And then he used some words on Twitter about the Ohio State football program that the FCC would crucify me for. (laughs) Thus, we will not repeat exactly what he tweeted. We think that's the best course of action. Shockingly, Ohio State dismissed him from the program. I don't know where they came up with the idea of dismissing him, but they did. I don't know what caused them. I have no clue. So they dismiss him from the program. Ohio State has had a couple of really good recruiting classes back-to-back, and there's a lot of thought process going on right now that the older players on the Ohio State football team are being passed out by some of the younger players, and it's causing a problem. Whatever, I'm not around it every day. I'd have to ask Paul about that. Paul kills. Now, privately, because Paul wouldn't talk about it in public. I'd have to privately ask him about it. But there's a bigger problem to this. And right now, look, I grew up in an era where it was about we. You know, Dick and I, Jack and I, we go out there as a team every single time, and it's about us. You know, and the job Roger does and the job Bob does, Bob Taylor, Roger Corey. Brian Tripp has been a great addition on the sideline. It's about us. Nobody cares who does the talking. We all, you know, our job is to do the best job we can, work together, and it's all about what makes the best broadcast. So in other words, you're hearing Brian, for example. Brian will jump in on some stuff in the middle of what we're doing because it's really good for the broadcast for him to do it. Nobody cares who talks. We're from the era of we. Unfortunately, I think I feel like we're watching the era of me. I've got to be the highest paid defensive lineman. I've got to get more money than a Bosa. And I don't know TJ Watt at all, but I'm using that as an example. I'm going to have a hold in. Oh, pull the muscle. That doesn't matter. I got mine. Okay. Now, he hasn't said that. I think he's aching to play because he loves playing. That part I do know. He loves to play. So it's disappointing for him not to play. But still, it's the ear of me. So Charlie Brewer at Utah gets replaced at quarterback. I ain't starting. I'm departing. It's the ear of me. Okay. Never taking into into account the team and circumstances actually may fall back your way. Tonight in Arlington, Jalen Hurts will start a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. In the national championship game against Georgia, to start the second half, Nick Saban decided a true freshman, Tua Tagovailoa, would take over. 
Now, it wasn't a perfect game by Tua. In fact, even the game-winning play was set up after Tua made a major mistake. He took a 16-yard loss and a sack in overtime. And let's face it, this is the only time I can remember a 42-yard touchdown pass or a 41-yard touchdown pass in overtime. Remember, you start at the 25. He threw a 41-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. Wow. Now, did Tua, excuse me, did Jalen Hurts whine, moan, and complain after the game? Nope. Was he the first guy to hug Tua? Yep. Did Jalen Hurts go to the media? Nope. Spring practice. Did he back up everything going on in interviews? Yep. Preseason. Did he go go through preseason and say, hey, look, I think I should be the guy? Nope. Did he complain of what's going on? Nope. Did he go about his business and keep himself prepared? Yep. Was he disappointed? It's only natural. Of course, he'd be deeply disappointed. He'd been the starting quarterback. Won a lot of games with him as the starting quarterback. But he stuck with it. Goes through the entire season. Sticks with it. And then suddenly in the Georgia game, in the SEC championship game, Tua gets hurt. And suddenly, guess what? Alabama needs Jalen Hurts. And what did Jalen Hurts do? He showed everybody he was ready. They won that SEC championship game in large part because of his performance. Now, when it was all said and done, he transferred to Oklahoma. But he did it in what I would say the right way. He got his degree from Alabama. He graduated. He fulfilled every obligation to Alabama along the way. He played, was was by all accounts an awesome teammate. When they needed him, he was ready to go and got his degree. At that point, you've now earned the right to go anywhere you want. Turned out he went to Oklahoma, paid off for him. He ended up going to the Eagles. Charlie Brewer is out at Utah. First sign of adversity, quits. The error of me. Kayvon Pope, okay. first sign of adversity, in the middle of the game, quits. Now, he's probably going to say himself, I'm just going to transfer someplace else. If you're a coach, do you want him? Do you want him? I mean, this guy goes back in the locker room, starts tweeting, you know, whatever you think about Ohio State, you should not be doing that. And yet, that's what he did. It's a bad look. But this whole part about, uh, you know, I'm getting ripped off, whatever, look, do something about it. Hey? Make yourself valuable. Make yourself indispensable. Be the you know, be the guy that beats out somebody else or else make yourself valuable to what's going on. It just can't be the first sign of trouble. I'm leaving. But that's how you handle adversity? That's how you handle adversity. Freaking out and quitting in the middle of the game. Perfect. 
Just the kind of guy I want to be in the foxhole with. Going gets tough. He gets going. Not the tough get going. He gets going. To someplace else, to a different foxhole. Too often I hear people talk about how they feel like they're getting ripped off here and ripped off there. Look, come on. Stick with it. Work harder. Make yourself better. Make yourself okay, somebody that you can't get along without. And that's how I view it. And imagine the fortitude it took Friday night for the suit to show up at Jersey Shore. Oh, different story. All right. Um, I shouldn't have brought that story up again. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! It actually is how our broadcast sounded Friday night. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. What? As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hunter Bradley on the snap. Here it is, placement made, kick to the upright, and it is good! It is good! It is good! Mason Crosby has done it again! 51-yard walk-off field goal to win it for the Packers! Wayne Larrabee with the call on the Packers network. It's amazing. The, the 49ers scored, and there was 37 seconds left. And what did all of us think? Everybody. Uh, they left too much time in the clock. I mean, 37 seconds, but for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, 37 seconds, a lot of time in the clock. By the way, high praise for the job Matt did on soccer Saturday night at Bucknell and Army. Way to go, buddy. Oh, thank you. High praise. High praise. Yeah, tough loss uh, for the Bison, but it was a entertaining second half with all three goals coming then. So, mm-hmm. Jimmy Trainer of SI.com wrote a story about why are they pushing Al Michaels out? <laughs> and this is what I brought up last week. Look, it has nothing to do with Mike Tarico. Mike is a great play-by-play guy. He's not just a good play-by-play guy. Mike Tarico is a great play-by-play guy. So what I'm saying has nothing to do with Mike. Zero. But why is NBC pushing Al Michaels out? Do you, you watch that game last night, how good he was? It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Great work last night by him. Did you see who was at uh, Nets Media Day today asking questions? David Letterman. That's right. See, I was wondering where that came from. I didn't realize he was actually there. He was there. Okay. Kyrie Kyrie Irving was not. Yes, it was a very entertaining day at the uh, Brooklyn Nets media day, as was the Sixers, for two obvious reasons. Well, I mean, again, the other part is Irving, they're saying, might not be able to play home games because of New York's vaccination policy and he's not vaccinated. Plus MSG and plus Toronto. Yeah. 
This is one of the stupidest things. I'll get to this in the next half hour. Just dumb. It's about the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, dumb. Very quickly, the Yankees swept the Red Sox over the weekend, now have a one-game lead in the wild card, but they've got Toronto and Tampa Bay this week. Uh, so if they, they get to the number one spot, they will have earned it. Uh, the Red Sox, on the other hand, have Baltimore and Washington. The Red Sox actually got into the series at winning seven in a row. Uh, the first two nights, I mean, the Yankees, I mean, it's, you know, they had the game won the other night, but Stan hit the grand slam, which was just a phenomenal moment. You, sir, are my hero. Last night, to be honest with you, it was um, that one was taken away from Boston last night. Just flat out taken away. I, I, I mean, Joe West has umpired more games than anybody in the history of baseball, literally. But you, you what I saw last night, I just I just turned it off. I'm watching it, and he, uh, the Red Sox have a rally going. I mean, they they took the lead. I got a couple of runs, took the lead. But in the middle of the rally, he calls out Kike Hernandez on a pitch that is about four inches, conservatively, maybe liberally six inches outside the strike zone. You're like, oh, what are you doing? I mean, you can just see on the pitch, like, okay, that's that's a ball, strike three. And Hernandez is looking back, like, strike three. What? And that was the second out of the inning. You're like, holy mackerel. And then the the one that was the turning point of the whole game. Aaron Judge foul tips an Adam Adovino pitch. The slider. And Vasquez catches it. And on the transfer to, to throw throw it back, drops it. And he ruled that it was he didn't catch it cleanly. Like, what it's right in front of you. Well, Stanton would have. No, Stanton would not have. They'd have walked Stanton and they'd, they'd have pitched to, to Gallo. Now you sit there and go, hey, come on. You want to talk about a guy having a bad night? That's a bad night. Big game like that, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be bigger than that. And I'm not for robo ups. I am not. I am all for the human element. But that's one where I sat back last night and said, you, you got to be kidding me. It doesn't take, and he can't challenge it. It's obvious just looking at it that he's just taking the ball out of his glove and he dropped it. <laughs> what are we doing here? It's strike three. You're going to walk Stanton. And you're going to pitch to Gallo. And what are your odds of striking out Gallo? Matt can tell you that. Yes. Pretty high. Very. Instead, now, instead Adam now has to throw additional pitches, and then he gives up a double to judge. There's only so many opportunities you can give Aaron Judge. He's just so good, you just can't give him additional shots. But you sat back and went, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Now, the Yankees may have won the game in the ninth inning. I don't know. Okay? But you sat back and went, what, what are you doing here? Right? Strike three? The ball's not even on the plate. Like it, I mean, like, it missed. What is that call? Then ESPN shows it, and, like, you can see, like, it's really outside. Okay. All right. It's a mistake. You can live with that. All right. That's one. But the one in the Vasquez play, it's obvious just watching it live that he he just dropped it 
taking it out of the webbing of his glove. It's happening right in front of you, Joe. All right. But the Yankees get hot when they need it, and Stanton was phenomenal. I think he drove in 10 runs in the series. Does that sound right? Phenomenal. So, I mean, Stanton, who's done really, to his credit, virtually nothing with the Yankees in his career, did a lot in three days. A lot. Friday was not competitive. Cole was great. Red Sox were leading the second game, and Stanton hit the grand slam. And then, of course, last night, uh, they got a little help. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. Season does a great job explaining all this and more. It's all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. They want to save you money at every turn, too. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Rays wrapped up their second straight American League East title. And they're on target, by the way, to set a record for wins in the season for the franchise. So this should be a time of celebration, right? I mean, they're trying to repeat as American League champs. This time they like to win the World Series. I mean, they went last year, gave it a good run, lost in six games. So what are the Rays going to do as a franchise? I'm talking about the ownership, of course. They're going to put up a sign in the outfield promoting their desire to have future split seasons between Tampa Bay and Montreal the Rays will be advertising their plan to split home games with the city of Montreal and a graphic on the outfield fence at Tropicana Field during the 2021 postseason especially with the eyes of baseball on us this October. We want that visible symbol of our plan and our excitement for it. It'll mark the effort subtly and keep the focus on winning. You're an idiot. People actually sit down in conference rooms and come up with really great ideas like this, where people go, oh, that's great, Bob. That's great. Way to go. Yeah. We'll make the people of Tampa really get into the playoffs. They'll come out in droves when they see we want to split the season with Montreal. Who comes up with this stuff? You want to know why Major League Baseball is a mess? Stuff like this. It's a mess. Major League Baseball two years ago gave them permission to explore the idea. They're trying to do it for leverage, obviously. you want your fans to attend the playoff game, or do you want to turn them off? Remember, Montreal lost its team because they weren't attending. In fact, Montreal went to a split 
Remember, they were playing some games in Montreal and some games in San Juan. Remember that? I do. And then they ended up moving to Washington. Okay. I, I see stuff like this, and I say the sport is a mess. I know it's not the greatest ballpark. I know it, it can be a dungeon. I know it's, you know, and too often they've got more of the other team's fans there than their own. I got all that. But this is how you're doing it? It really has been amazing to me that they've been able to still consistently win for the most part the last several years with all this going on and, and just the ownership making dumb decision after dumb decision. Well, the ownership has made, I mean, the management's made good decisions on personnel, style of play. In terms of uh, PR, how about that? Yeah. Yeah, their use of analytics, the whole deal. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't agree with all of it. I think, you know, I think there's, it's an organization that doesn't have great baseball instinct in it, but they're using analytics to the max. And they, obviously they have some talented players that can, quote, pull it off. But. I see stuff like that. I'm thinking, you sat down in a conference room or on a Zoom call with people, and you thought this was a really good idea during the playoffs? What, are you supposed to have all these people in Tampa sit there and go, this is great. I can't wait to fly to Montreal in August to watch them play. Uh, That's not going to happen. All it does is create animosity. All it does is create confusion. All And they're, they're least with the drop goes through 2027 but that's all it does what are you trying to force Tampa to build you a ballpark I mean I know they talked about the possibility of doing it in Ybor City and and for whatever reason it didn't pan out but this is your plan in a, on a 1 to 10 stupidity scale where do you think I think it stands Oh, a 10. That's like, you got to be kidding me. Hey, let's give you an update on Tyler Will. He is the Villanova player who was carted off the field on Saturday. And it's obviously a scary, just a scary moment. But as we always say on the broadcast, everything they do is with an incredible abundance of caution to make sure. So today, Mark Ferrante, the head football coach at Villanova, tweeted this. Thank you, everyone, for your support for Nova football up at Penn State football this weekend. A lot of people have asked about our guy, T. Will, Tyler Will. He was back at the stadium before we left and is doing well. Thanks to all for asking. Oh, good. That's so good to hear. Okay. That was ugly. Alex and I heard that hit all the way to our seats in the club level. Yeah. That was yep. ugly. So, ah. so I want to make sure we pass that along to everybody. So at least we want to pass that along. All right, so tonight your Eagles, fly Eagles, fly. Go to Arlington to attempt to do something that no first-year Eagle coach has done since 1999. 
Nets win their first ever game against Dallas. Correct. Matt will be emotionally invested in the game tonight. Every call against the Eagles will be cheating. (laughs) Every call for the Cowboys will be there obviously for Dallas. Which is a distinct possibility. I think it'll be a hard competitive game, but I I just think Dallas is going to be a little too much. Once again, the loyalty factor flushed. Totally flushed. (laughs) No no loyalty on your part at all, man. I I tell you right now, first chance you have to sell us up the river, you're doing it. I can tell. This is where the suit needs your support more than ever. S-U-I-T, that spells suit Especially after how he was treated up at Jersey Shore. They love the Chief. You notice how much they love the Chief? Did you hear they were playing the background of the broadcast? Chief, Chief. I did. I was even listening a little bit Friday night. God, it was touching. <laughs> Now, I don't think it's a good look on the air when one guy screams out, What about me? <laughs> like, you're on the air. <laughs> Whoops. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. That's our guy. That's our guy. Oh, well. Um... We've got more coming up later in the week. we got a lot going on this week. Greg Pickle tomorrow. Jerry Dulac tomorrow. we got Dave Zagaro on Wednesday. we got uh, Rich Scarcella this week. We've got Neil Kulong this week. So, there you go. So. It's, uh, you know. We got a lot going in Indiana, of course, here at seven thirty on the um, Saturday night. We're on beginning at six. DJ Matthews, by the way, fine receiver transfer from Florida State, has added a lot to the Indiana lineup, and also as a punt returner, he's out for the year torn ACL, unfortunately. Did not like that. That was one of those. It was you know you're watching the game. It took a lot of time to watch that game uh, for obvious reasons. And it's just, you know, it's like you just feel awful for it. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And it just felt awful for him. But that is the situation with Indiana. Again, the the Oklahoma thing I found fascinating. The fans are booing their team. I'm like, They won the game. What was the final? 23-20? Does that sound right? Something right right around that neighborhood? It was 16-13. 16-13? Yeah. West Virginia played a really terrific game, especially defensively, and they owned the line of scrimmage with their defensive front. 
I realize there's expectations, but man, that is one spoiled fan base out there. Really? Winning is so... I mean, I'm concerned that we've lost perspective on how hard winning is. Winning is just really difficult to do. That's why it's so doggone rewarding. That's what makes it so cool to win. It's hard. And there, too many people think it's easy. I wish people appreciated the winning part. I go, and I'll give you an example. I don't want to harp too much on the gambling part of it, you know, because I do think it plays a role in the emotion of it. But I'm going to go back to the story, and I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating. In 2015, uh, we go out to Las Vegas for the Continental Tire Basketball Tournament. So we're staying at the Orleans, and literally, this is like the Christmas week. We literally flew back on the red eye and had a 1 a.m. Christmas Eve flight the 24th back and got into Philly at 8.30 in the morning on Christmas Eve and then had to bus back to State College. So we're there Christmas week, and, you know, we get there, and Dick and I, along with Jeff Tarman, I think Karen was there, too. Karen was on the trip, Dick's wife. And the four of us went to lunch. We were staying at the Orleans. Okay? Now, everywhere you go, we ate dinner at the Wynn. You know, uh, you know, every place has, obviously, you know, gambling and slot machines and so forth. Well, it turns out the area where we were eating lunch on this Sunday afternoon was directly adjacent to Sportsbook. Okay. And Carolina was playing the Giants. Remember, this is the year Carolina went to the Super Bowl. Cam Newton was the MVP, was having a great year. Carolina is up late in the game. I think they're up seven. And Eli drives the Giants down the field. Bang, 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 bang. And in the waning moments, throws a touchdown pass. And the Giants tie the game. And the, and the sports book, the place goes insane. Now, I believe Carolina was a seven-point favorite. And the Giants have now tied the game, and it's going to go at overtime, which means the most Carolina can win by is six. You don't kick extra points in overtime. So that's the most they can win by a six. They're going insane. This is incredible, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now, okay. We're still eating lunch. I glance over at the TV. Carolina jogs out in overtime. Boom, boom. They move the ball downfield. This is before they changed some of the rules. Comes down. Boom. Field goal. Carolina wins. Not a peep. Zero. Why? Because the touchdown made the money. The result of the game meant nothing. The winning and the losing meant nothing. How they bet it and the points involved meant everything. 
Now, for me, as somebody who does this for a living where it's the winning and the losing, I sat back and, like, I mean, I get the way of the world. I got it completely. But it's disappointing. <laughs> Just there you go, really? Wow. Hmm. I mean, I know it's the way it is. I mean, I understand completely it's the way it is. But I've always been about who wins it and who loses. I've never really cared about margin. But then again, I don't have money on it. And I've always encouraged my students, by the way. Always have encouraged them. I don't care whether you gamble or not. I've told them, I don't care whether you gamble or not. That is your business. I said, but don't gamble on games you're covering. And my reasoning is quite simple. It will it will jade your opinion of what you just watched. You could be euphoric, they won, and they covered. Or you could be bitter because... Even if they won, they didn't cover. Or they outright lost. It can jade how you, because your own money's at stake. I said, you know, I said, I don't care what you do with, you know, whatever. I said, but don't, I said, try to make it a habit if you can. So I'm like, I can't, I can't tell you what to do. I'm just giving you advice. Don't gamble on games that you're covering. But, all right. Take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, great to have you with us on the uh, show today. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And, of course, we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, Hummels Wharf. Greg Pickle, Peter King tomorrow. I guess, well, you got Peter just late, huh? Yeah, I just got Peter, so we're going to switch Jerry to Wednesday. He was gracious enough to move to Wednesday, so just figuring out a time for that. Great. Good. And Dave Zagaro will be on on Wednesday to do a postmortem on the Eagles' loss tonight. Um, Likely, yeah. I only said that for your benefit. <laughs> I mean, I've now revised my thing about the Eagles. Right? They're not going to finish in fourth. Agreed. 
mean, the Giants, to the credit of the Giants, (laughs) to the credit of the Giants, they are poorly constructed and they've got other issues. Poorly constructed, poorly coached, all the above. Hey, hey. I don't know how good a coach Joe Judge is. It's like, to me, it's like looking at Derek Shelton, the manager of the Pirates. Does anybody know how good he is? I don't. He manages major league games, but he's given no chance to really show his chops. You know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, to me, a key for any manager is like, you know, how do you handle all your options? You know, with a guy who's at the plate with a, Two-one count. Who always takes on a two-one count? And you steal a base. Now you can judge that manager. Oh, that's right. Your guy did that last night. Um, <laughs> I sat back. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, who came up with that idea? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, but nobody knows how good a manager he is. I mean, the Giants have. I mean, you look at their offensive line. Oh my goodness. That's what you constructed? Really? Oh, well. And then on defense, Blake Martinez is now out for the year with a torn ACL. So he was their best linebacker of a mediocre group. He knows how to play, too. Yeah. He he does know how to play. It's one thing about Blake Martinez. When he's in Green Bay, I felt the same way about him. Plus, who knows about Darius Slayton and uh, Sterling (laughs) Shepard. So, a lot of problems. Yeah, a lot of problems. I mean... I mean, the key is they can't finish any lower than fourth. Exactly. <laughs> Although the Eagles, the schedule, I thought there were some more winnable games, but it's not turning out that way because obviously you got Kansas City next week at Carolina, Tampa Bay, at Vegas. I thought they can beat Vegas. Well, actually, I didn't think I didn't have Vegas as a win. I thought they could beat Carolina, but mm, I don't know. That's that's going to be a harder game than I thought. Carolina's a better team than I thought. They'll beat the Jets. They will. They'll beat the Jets and the Giants, and I even think they can even have a potential to sweep Washington. I'll tell you right now. I got to give the Jets credit. They're really bad. They're even worse than the Giants. <laughs> you know, the guy like Quentin Williams, I'm glad he's making his money because he actually is one heck of a player. I mean, he's really, really good. I wonder what he thinks when he sits around at his locker and looks around. Probably the same way the Chief does when he's in the booth. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> you got <laughs> Oh, it's boy. a cheap and easy one-liner. It's cheap and easy.